but we're sticking with the science theme. We're still on the hard science. The stuff that's difficult to understand. No, it's not because Beth, Beth has won an award at being able to ex- explain this in a very digestible way. So no pressure there, Beth. But um, uh, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Eric Dine, who's a clinical specialist at Roche Diagnostics. Uh, but you haven't, or you've only been there a short time, right? And am I right in thinking you're currently at the CTAD conference in San Francisco? I am. Got his name back. Look, he's come back to his hotel room and everything, especially to to do a talk for us. Thank you very much, Eric. I've also got Professor Louise Serple, famous from the, the Serple Lab in Sussex. Is that a dog? I don't, <laughs> no. So I'm in a hotel because it's the only place I could find to sit down. If it's really, really noisy, I can go away. Are you also at CTAD? No. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm in London and I was in transit and I just wanted to try and find somewhere I could sit where it's quiet enough. Are you just having a... Like music and... Are you on a big night? Are you secretly on a big night out? Are you calling in from a... Of course I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're interrupting a big night I've been to a work event and then it just took me a long time to get home. So I'm sort of... Well, I, it's Friday yeah, night. I mean, nobody would blame you if you were. It's Friday. You yeah. s- I hope you've at least got a cocktail. I haven't got one. I've got. A, I'm actually I'm in the Langdon Hotel, which is completely beautiful, actually. And there's amazing lights in here. Wave um, over the barman. I think you need a gin. Yeah, but that, yeah, there was some tea, which I helped myself to, so that was quite nice. But is it all right in terms of sound? You'll be so okay. On? You'll be okay if you if you put yourself right. on mute. I'll wave to you when it comes up. Um, I'm not gonna. I've been playing a film every half an hour. We're six minutes late already, so I'm totally not gonna do that. I'm just gonna remind everybody that we are raising money today for four great charities. Please donate at chatathon.uk. I'm gonna put the banner along the bottom of the screen to remind you all to do that. Um, but first of all, I'm gonna put you this up, which reminds you what we're talking about today. Uh, so over this next half an hour, we're going to be talking about misfolding proteins, which is Louisa's specialty. We're going to be talking about nanoparticles to bust amyloid, which is Eric's specialty. And we're going to be talking about neurovascular functions, which is Beth's specialty. None of these things connect, do they? <laughs> you were just a, you were general, grouped into this general group of neuroscience <laughs> when, I, when I couldn't when I couldn't theme you with other people because all of your work is so unique so that's that's where it was that's that's me covering for myself there um I'm gonna go first of all I'll do the quick introduction so we've got Dr Eric Dine who I mentioned is from Rush Diagnostics uh, his research looks at nanoparticles to target amyloid beta plaques we have Louise Serple who's a professor of biochemistry at the University of Sussex who leads a team of uh, of researchers um i said in misfolding proteins because i know that's what you did before but you didn't put that in your bio that this time you just said amyloid beta tau at the molecular level so maybe you've given up on misfolding proteins <laughs> done with that Oh. No, no. <laughs> and then we have um, Beth there, who is a regular blogger on dementia researcher. You might have read some of her work. Um, Beth is a PhD student and health science research fellow at the University of Sheffield, but currently on on location in Pittsburgh. You can tell because your Sheffield lab obviously has, you know, those kind of slightly drippy looking ceilings. It's a bit darker, but Pittsburgh, look how shiny and nice that looks behind uh, this, you. This is this is Sheffield. Is it? I'm back, yeah. You're back. <laughs> yeah, recently came back. It's dark. Well, I'm going to come to you first, Beth. 
As our <laughs> as our award winning science communicator, I'm so mean, aren't I? <laughs> to put you on so this. stressful. Thank you so much, Adam. No, but uh, but you love talking about your work. I'm, you're always so passionate yeah. about it. I love hearing you talk about work. So tell us about your research. Yeah. So um, thanks for having us on the uh, the show today. The show. Um, I was watching some stuff earlier, and it was really nice, like hear about everyone's stuff. So um, well done for making it this far. It's, right. it's, uh, it's an eclectic agenda. <laughs> It's really cool. Um, so I look at something called neurovascular function um, and I do that in disease. So our brains are really energy demanding. Um, so they're only like 2% of our body weight, so a really small amount, but they require like 20% of the oxygen and glucose, um, but they can't store lots of energy. So that's a massive problem for the brain. And we need blood flow to the brain because the blood flow brings with it oxygen and glucose and all the nutrients that our brain cells need to keep on functioning. Um, and there's this relationship between neurons and blood vessels where neurons fire and then you get this big increase in blood flow to the brain region to help with that energy supply. Um, and what research is suggesting is that this neurovascular coupling relationship is impaired in lots of brain diseases. And one of those is Alzheimer's disease. So what my research does is it looks at this neurovascular coupling relationship in Alzheimer's disease on its own. And I use models of Alzheimer's disease. And then I'm also interested in how heart disease, if this relationship might be impacted in heart disease, and how heart disease can then also impact um, amyloid pathology in a mixed amyloid and atherosclerosis model, which is a heart disease model. So my research is kind of like lots of things kind of all in one. And it's quite nice, like big picture sort of thing, I would say. Um, So I kind of look at uh, mainly at like surface vessels of the brain. That's really where my focus is. And so it'll be really interesting to hear about some more molecular things. Does that tie tie into stroke as well? Because we hear about this in stroke a lot, don't we? So I don't do anything with stroke, but yeah, so like vascular dementia um, is like stroke can cause vascular dementia and that's where like blood flow is interrupted and that can then lead to those um, those symptoms of that so like dementia umbrella, um, as we call it. Brilliant. Thank you, Beth. That's a brilliantly concise overview. I'm going to go to Eric next to tell us all about your work with nanoparticles I, I get so excited i got so excited about your work before i'm hoping you're still doing the same thing <laughs> uh but yeah some bad news you uh, oh no uh, have you gone I'm, normal you were doing like science fiction stuff before <laughs> so now that i work with roche um as an employee i work in diagnostics you're so wearing I, a tie for a star that's a big difference <laughs> well yes I, I usually have a tie on i think and i'm at ctad and so what we're what i focus now on is the diagnostic space uh with roche for my professional career but i'm still actively working with a group at kent state where my research focused on the use of the magnetic nanoparticles to target the beta amyloid plaques disrupt them and we showed that by breaking up the large fibrillated plaques the microglia were able to remove the beta amyloid decrease inflammation and one possible mechanism is via chaperones, heat shock proteins, which we saw upregulated. So when we knocked down the heat shock proteins using small molecule inhibitors, we indeed saw a decrease in phagocytosis of beta amyloid following the administration of the mild hypothermia, which we called NMP AMF, so nanoparticles and alternating magnetic fields, which is how we generated heat 
that was sufficient to break up the peptides. So since I have, since I moved to Roche, well, of course, after Kent State, I went to the National Institutes of Health, and then I went to, now I'm at Roche. I now am away from the research, but I'm assisting with the same lab, and now we've moved in vivo. So we're now using the mouse models to do the same approach, and we're using a new approach using specific primers against amyloid beta and specific, you know, specific constructs that will target the nanoparticles to the beta amyloid. And our first, you know, the preliminary data that we have is absolutely remarkable, seeing the rate of clearance compared to the untreated placebo side. Absolutely amazing what these nanoparticles are doing. So with all the news here at CTAD about lacanumab, it, op yeah, it just opens up. Go, yeah, wh whatever. And how long is it going to be before you're there? blowing the canama out the water <laughs> well i have to give a shout out to naveed muhammad who is the graduate student that has taken over my work at the kim lab and then we we're hoping to continue our work on heat shock proteins as well that he is an incredibly driven graduate student that i have a lot of good faith that he'll take us to the next step which is the in vivo and then after that i i don't i don't know i've been talking to a number of people at ctad about just their thoughts on the field and where we're going and a lot of concern about the size and the folding patterns of beta amyloid and how that impacts these different DMTs. So I, I think that there's a huge future that perhaps it ultimately, I mean, it, it may ultimately just be the confirmation of beta amyloid is, is, is the key mechanism to these DMTs. So if it's a matter that they're too large, nanoparticles are one way that we can target them non-invasively, break them up, and then see what happens downstream. I'm going to put my I've got to put my feet in the shoes of somebody who might be watching now. Who, when they think of nanoparticles, they're thinking about you know, um, what's that film where they they're thinking of Ant Man and things like that. Tell me, <laughs> so what what describe what is a nanoparticle? Is this a is this a human made thing that you then in put into the brain? Yeah. So what we used was an iron oxide, a magnetite, Fe3, um, O4 um, nanoparticle that is super paramagnetic. So without giving so it's a, it some super polarity. tiny magnetic element. Yeah. Yeah. Very. It's 10 to the negative ninth. So when we think about microscopic, what we can see in a microscope, in order to see these nanoparticles, we have to use an electron microscope at very high magnification. And even then we can barely make them out. They're very, they're so small. So 20 nanometers, which is a, which is a 10 to the negative eighth, two or 10, uh, two times 10 to the negative eighth. They're very, very small. And how do you deal with the challenge of putting them into the right place to do the job that you're wanting them to do? It's challenging because microglia will eat them up. They want to go everywhere. So that's so microglia go, oh, what the hell is that? I'm going to eat that. We talked about this. This was our Pac-Man analogy yeah. from earlier. <laughs> That's exactly it. They, they eat them all up. And, but the good thing is nanoparticles less than 50 nanogram, uh, nano, nanograms, nanometers, they don't seem to interact with the inflammatory cascade of microglia. So, so they don't activate them. They don't. But if they're already yeah, my, activated. My research shows that they are not activated. There's no change in cytokine expression. There's no change in toxicity. And that after uh, I forget that I have to remind myself the number, but ultimately they get cleared from the brain. They're small and microglia do eat them up. So we don't see nanoparticle pollution or iron oxide pollution within the brain, which is another concern. So once you've got them there, that challenge, then you activate them by the um, influent, 
yeah. Alternating magnetic field. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, you put you them spin in you them put very them in. fast. Yeah. And that doesn't mean putting the person's head in a big magnet. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's effectively you have these coils. Like we we have a small coil housing for the for our animal studies. They go in, they sit there, but you don't feel a thing. Yeah. It's silent. There's a there's a, a bit of a like a buzz, but otherwise you could be sitting there. If this wasn't a human model, like we I've seen I've seen this well, like an rabbits. MRIs, yeah, exactly. It, well, MRIs are loud. This is basically silent. You sit there, you don't feel a thing. It doesn't interact with anything but the nanoparticles, and of course you can't be wearing a ring because you'll get a really bad burn really fast. But uh, as, as long as it's conductive. But then ultimately sit there, you can have a cup of tea, you know, enjoy life. Meanwhile, you're, it's disrupting the, the plaques and then microglia do their job. And we think that not only are we breaking up the beta amyloid um, plaques, but we're also inducing the functionality of microglia by activating them into not a, what, not to call it like a pro-inflammatory state, but instead an activated state that seems to be pro-removal of beta amyloid, like a pro-phagocytic state, which is doesn't match the inactive or the active state. So it's really cool that we have an intermediate phenotype. And is this likely, I mean, this would that, I'm jumping 10 steps ahead here, but would you, that wouldn't address the underlying cause. This would be a regular, that'd have to be, a because that's still not going to cause whatever's causing the microglia to come there or the tower in the first place. So, but this would be a treatment, not a prevent, a cure, a prevention. I guess, right. although yeah. unless you, I you're guess moving. you're hoping if you stop it off, they, yeah. they just stop coming back. Right. So like with lecanemab, it's, you're targeting the profibrils. You expect the body to do as normal clearance rate. And it's only as effective as the amount of amyloid that it is able to target and then ultimately clear. But you can target this, all yeah. of it. We should be able to hypothetically, if it, we can, you know, you should be able to make just the right dose. And if you can get all the plaques, then and this is what you're doing with your mouse research now is to see whether you have to do this. What's the best way? Is that to do that 10 times right. over a long period of time or all in one go? And how do you not overwhelm the microglia? Right. So exactly. And and it's looking really good. Like I, next time um, I'll have Naveed do the, I'll have Naveed reach out to you because he can do an update on this. And I think we've, be we've got a webinar updated. on our YouTube channel, yeah. uh, Dementia Research YouTube channel. There is a webinar. If you go back and look, uh, Google in, put into Dr. Eric Dine into YouTube, you'll find his webinar he did on us for this. Oh, it's a while ago now. During the pandemic. Two years. Yeah, it's, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Honestly, I get so excited about that because I'm just a big tech nerd i like anything that's a bit exciting I, we have sam mox and talking about 3d bioprinting stem cells and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's all my exciting stuff thank you eric i'm going to come back to you though uh, uh, ooh, louise was were you just about to go then as i'm going to come to you no <laughs> i'm just negotiating working on my phone which is tricky but and i got quite tired holding my phone up so that's sorry <laughs> We're into Christmas party season in hotels in London. I'm, you might have some revelers, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's incredibly beautiful here, actually. They, and amazing Christmas lights. It is really very Christmassy and extremely posh people dressed up in very, very nice outfits. So, I'm sure you fit um, right, right in. Can, can, I, do. can you tell us about your work? <laughs> yes. So it was interesting. You said you thought I didn't work on withholding anymore, but of course, I do. I knew. I was joking. I knew you <laughs> but, would. <laughs> but actually, it's a really nice prompt because so I work on amyloid beta and tau, which I'm sure you've talked about quite a lot during the rest of the day. Um, 
and um, which both proteins self-assemble and misfold and aggregate and form um, deposits in Alzheimer's disease. Um, but um, I have a question for Beth later if I get a chance to ask it. But um, it's important to say that amyloid is something that happens in to lots of proteins. So there are lots of different proteins that can self-assemble and form amyloid um, in different parts of the body. So it's not just the neurodegenerative diseases. And so we can learn, we can actually learn a lot from those other diseases. And one of the things that we're um, really interested in, for example, is that um, heart disease is associated with um, the deficit of amyloid, which is my question for that later on. Um, and so really what we're interested in is what is the specific structure of the aggregates that are toxic to neurons? So how is it that they are uh, leading to neurodegeneration? So that's really relevant to what Eric was saying too, uh, when he was talking about the ma magnetic nanoparticles that need to target specific structures. Because what we need to understand is what is it that's actually causing the disease and how do we target those very specific structures rather than presumably amyloid and tau, which are usually doing something useful um, in, in a biological system. So we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, if you feel what I mean. Um, we want to target only um, those pathological forms of protein. And could, could breaking down all that, um, I mean, do we just take it as a given that amyloid's a bad thing in its entirety, or is do we need a little bit of amyloid around the place? So, so there has been some controversy about amyloid plaques themselves and whether actually they're a sort of protective um, sink for the amyloid beta uh, that's deposited in the tissue. And so quite a few of the early failures of the antibodies have been um, attributed to the idea that actually you don't want to remove those plaques. What you really want to remove is the... Um, oligomeric species, so the early intermediate. So there has also been, um, probably at TTAB, there's been um, discussions of the fact that it, um, removal of the amyloid plaques can cause tiny bleeds, um, little tiny strokes. So there's also that, you know, that risk factor that's associated with the with lecanabab um, that's been talked about in the media. So, you know, I think what we want to do is to not just focus on plaques, but also the oligomeric species that are probably um, floating about in the brain and um, associated with the toxicity and the neuronal dysfunction and cell death that we see in Alzheimer's disease. And I, I mean, I haven't asked you any of the questions on my list. So I apologise if you put a lot of preparation into thinking about answers that I didn't then ask. <laughs> but well, you had a question for, go on, Louise, why don't you ask your question of yeah, Beth that so, you're going to put to Beth? Yeah, Beth was talking about the, the link between Alzheimer's disease and, and um, cardiovascular disease, which I think is a fascinating um, question. And I know what, and she said um, mixed amyloid. And I wondered if um, by mixed amyloid she meant that she was also looking at deposits like transferritin and immunoglobulin light chain, both of which are deposited in the heart tissue um, in um, heart disease and lead to um, lead to disease. So I just wondered if, if there was a sort of association with the different sorts of proteins that form amyloid in those different areas. Yeah, so what I actually meant, I probably uh, miss, misspoke, is when I, I talk about a mixed model, is I have a model of amyloid, so I use an APPTS1 model. Um, and then I also give that model um, a viral injection um, that makes it develop atherosclerosis. Um, so when I talk about the mixed model, it's a, um, a model of um, amyloid for Alzheimer's disease 
and then um, like a heart disease model together. And then I look at um, all the changes in the cerebral vessels. So like those really surface vessels, I kind of look yeah. at what's happening in those, like blood flow, blood volume um, to a stimulation. But it is really interesting because I've only just start, well, so I'm like a psychology, like neuroscience background and I kind of brought on the, um, the heart disease aspect because there was someone else in the lab who was also really interested in it. And at Sheffield, we've got a really um, good collaborator, Professor Sheila Fanfis, who's like um, a um, cardiovascular uh, professor. Um, so it's really nice to kind of see that aspect of the project. So I'm really hoping like that we can um, do a bit more in depth with that because at the moment I've really just been focusing on the brain. But um, I'd like to uh, focus on some of the other things because there's so much you can look at, right? Yeah, because I think there's a really interesting link between cardiovascular disease and the increased risk of getting Alzheimer's disease. And it makes us wonder, you know, is it... Because in, in elderly patients, you often see the definition of transferritin as amyloid in this heart uh, muscle, which causes um, heart disease. So it's really interesting to think about the link between those two diseases in, in really quite elderly patients, whether there's a link between the two things. Yeah, so really interesting work, really nice. And really nice to meet you. So con and congratulations on your, your award. Really <laughs> Thank you. That. Brilliant. <laughs> Big enough, like it was the brain prize. <laughs> okay. It's embarrassing, you totally know. And you're just coming up to the end of your PhD now, but you're writing up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um it's that very busy period when you're so close to the end, your funding period's ending, you're looking for jobs. Um I'm in the middle of applying for fellowship as well. Um it's a very busy time, so and I'm writing up. Um so it's a very exciting time, but it is um, a very overwhelming time. Um but yeah, it's just nice to kind of see it all trying to come together um after all the hard work over the past three and a half years. So, I, I hear Brighton's quite a nice place to uh, live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like Brighton when we went to the conference. <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric, I'm going to come back to you because we, we've talked a bit about amyloid today. And obviously the, the drug we've been mentioned uh, that's come up a few times, this lecanemab that we've talked about today is about amyloid. There's a general agreement that that alone isn't going to suddenly fix everything. It's going to need to be as a combination with other things. And what about tau? Um, can your can your treatment is that for I mean once you can program nanoparticles and activate them can they be set to target whatever you like so can they can they address the tau at the same time or would that be separate or how would yeah. this treatment sit with other things absolutely if we want to target them against alpha synuclein we can target them against alpha synuclein tdp43 tau protein we can use them in oncology treatments if we want if we can identify a target and we want to resect the tumor you just you can get them internalized and then burn out the tumor from the inside you know it's or, and resect it it's it the the potential is limitless for nanoparticles and they're so small and with this, in this case, using it for heat, but we can also use them as theranostic agents. If we're trying to find a specific target that needs a small marker, we can use that in uh, different imaging studies. So absolutely, we can, we can definitely use them against tau. We can use them also as a biomarker if, if we believe that there's, a meta, there's some metabolic pathway, insulin, for example, or if there's an inflammatory 
pathway that we're interested in and we need and we want to target them with nanoparticles to deliver drugs like anti-inflammatories you can conjugate those to nanoparticles as well they're they're a wonderful delivery device a wonderful theranostic device and we look at them as a therapeutic i think i'm going to go buy shares in roche I shouldn't say that. Well, we're not I? doing it. Not, this isn't Roche. This You're is, not even doing it at Roche. No, that's not your day. We're not doing it at Roche. We're doing it. Uh, <laughs> we're doing it at Kent State. So you can donate. You know, give uh, us Kent State. Kent State. Oh, no, anybody's watching. Don't do that. Thank you. We're coming up to the end now. Before we we kind of finish up here and we let uh, Louise go get herself a cocktail. Um, tell me what what's I mean. I'm not going to ask you this, Eric, because it sounds like you've just told us what's exciting you about your work right now. You've just, everything's exciting. What's exciting you about your work, Beth? I think at the moment, it's how we're in our lab at the moment, we're trying to look at how blood flow, um, how if we can change blood flow and potentially increase blood flow, could that impact pathology of Alzheimer's disease? So if we can increase blood flow, if there's a reduction previously, can we maybe clear some of those plaques? Can we impact that um, overproduction and, and the lack of clearance that's happening? So I think that's a really interesting thing um, that's going on at the moment. And, and the field that I'm in is so exciting. We use massive microscopes to look at like vessels and neurons. And we can look at anything in the brain at the moment because um, the technology is insane right now. Um, so it's just a really exciting field to be in and to hopefully like one day actually make a difference because it's really nice to see that obviously with the news this week like things are happening and i think it's that's great. what's nice to know. it's great that things there's no happening. single approach either is it because i think you know what we shouldn't also you know don't assume that everybody has the same underlying cause that that there might be yeah. multiple different causes for this so we can't just assume that everybody's got the amyloid for the same reason actually so while you're looking at all these different things is so important because you might find out there's multiple ways um louise what's exciting you have you i mean struggling to unmute here um <laughs> i i think that the um the announcement of lacanamab has been really interesting um obviously um very exciting from the point of view of progress and outcomes disease and i think we've all um over the last few years although we've been finding out a lot in terms of scientific um discoveries i think we we all have been a bit demoralized by the failure of all the trials and i think having this this success at this point is really positive there was a lot of controversy about whether amyloid beta was important in alzheimer's disease or not it was about to be sort of thrown out of the theory and i think um this really backs it up and i think you know I, I, it's a fantastic area to be in at the moment and a really positive one that um you know, I think, you, and I would like to say also that Adam, that you're doing an amazing job. It must be exhausting. Um, I think you're the one who deserves the cocktail at this point. <laughs> so you've got a couple of hours to go, haven't you? I, I, I've got yeah. There's two two and a half hours to go. I might sneak another coffee. Um, the good yeah. thing is, is our next session. I'm joined by the brilliant Dr. Anna Volkmer, who is also, uh, I'm going to say, a friend of mine. I, we've never. I think we've met a couple of times, but she hosts our podcast. And so she'll be a great stand-in host <laughs> while I use the bathroom, eat the second sandwich I got today and make a coffee for the next few minutes. Thank you ever so much, Professor Louise Serple from the University of Sussex, uh, Beth Eyre from uh, the University of Sheffield, and Dr. Eric Dine as well, who's coming to us from Roche, but also with all these university hats on as well. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And 
but when you've had to be so disrupted, Beth's still in the lab. Go home for God's sake. It's Sunday night. Eric, go join the conference and Louise, I hope you manage to get home well and don't suffer from train challenges. Have a great rest of the day. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.